Today is one of our member reflections companions for the journey Sundays, and I want to thank ahead of time all of our speakers. We look forward to hearing from you, and I ask that Scott Lowe be our first speaker. Barbara asked that I talk a little bit about how we came to this church and why we continue to support it. I'll talk a little bit about why we continue to support it. I'd say one of the reasons is uh, we've been blessed with meeting so many wonderful, interesting people here, many of whom have become our closest friends. Another reason that uh, I continue to support this church is because They've always taken a strong position on many social issues, which are very important to me, uh, in particular uh, of late, for example, uh, gay and lesbian rights. You have only to read the Shreveport Times headlines a couple of days ago where one of our city councilmen cut the funding of the Robinson Film Center because they had the gall to have a gay and lesbian film festival one weekend. And to me, that's just indicative of the uh, type of ignorance and bigotry that's still out there and why I'm so proud of our church and the stances that we've always taken to fight all forms of discrimination. How did I get here? That's a little bit longer, more convoluted story. When I was about six years old, I had my first test of faith and reason during the Easter season. Some of y'all are probably saying, wow, six years old, and he was questioning the resurrection. Actually, that came several years later. Now, my first test with the conflict of faith and reason came when my parents told me that on the night before Easter, a large rabbit was going to come to our house and fill my special basket with jelly beans and candy and then also go into the backyard and hide uh, dyed chicken eggs for me to go find. They said when they finished telling me this story, I looked at them and said, you know, I find that hard to believe. (laughs) So I guess I've always been a skeptic. I've always questioned authority. I grew up in the Episcopal Church, and when I was uh, about in junior high school, uh, I stopped saying the Nicene Creed when everybody else in the congregation was saying it. It irritated my mother. She said, you're just sitting there like a bump on the log, and I couldn't do it. There were just too many parts of it that I couldn't agree with. You know, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Well, I believed possibly that there was a God, uh, and I believed that he could have possibly made the earth. I believed in the Big Bang Theory. Something happened that created this cosmos. But heaven, now where is heaven? Is it in our solar system? Is it in... You know, our galaxy, is it in our universe? I just, you know, kind of got bogged down in some of the details. Uh, The creed kept going. I believe in uh, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. Then I was in, uh, of course, junior high, and my sex education back then kind of consisted of my next-door neighbor's older brother, Ricky, He gave me a a pretty good rudimentary grasp of the fundamentals sufficient enough where I was a little concerned about actually how there was um, an immaculate conception and a virgin birth. And then, of course, a little bit later in the creed, the uh, the resurrection, 
uh, and ascending into heaven. And again, I had a little bit of a problem at that time, you know, with the resurrection, and I've already talked about heaven. So there were just too many things. You know, I was getting really bogged down in the details, and I realized that. But then I stopped going to church. Um, Ginger and I got married while we were in high, while we were in college at LSU, and we went to a Methodist church uh, one Sunday. And later on that afternoon, two of the elders from the church showed up at our apartment, uh, unannounced and uninvited, started talking about their uh, experience with Jesus and salvation, and honestly, it kind of freaked us out a little bit. And we did not go to a church again for seven years. We finally had children, one of which is in the congregation, um, visiting from Pennsylvania, and we had moved back to Shreveport and decided that we needed to expose our children to religion. So we joined First Methodist Church, and at that time, D.L. Dykes was the minister, and I subsequently came to realize that D.L. was actually a closet Unitarian. Uh, He talked more about uh, how to live your life than the afterlife, He uh, gave one sermon during Christmas that I particularly remember where he talked about the fact that it really was not, he really didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God. He said if Jesus was the Son of God, then what Jesus did was not all that remarkable because, after all, he was God. But if he was a human, then what Jesus did really was special because we could all aspire to it. Anyway, we liked D.L., but unfortunately he retired and was replaced by a Methodist who we really thought was more of a Baptist, and we became churchless for a while until Ginger went to the um, YWCA function where the woman who was the director gave an invocation, and she said it was very spiritual. It didn't end with the ubiquitous, in Jesus' name we pray, and she said, this woman goes to the Unitarian Church. Well, we didn't know anything about Unitarians. This was back in 1986. It was before the Internet, so we did what most people used to do. We looked up Unitarianism in our uh, encyclopedia, and we liked it. It, was, uh, it, was, it piqued our interest, so we decided to show up. And I remember several things distinctly about our first visit. Uh, one thing was I was the only person in the congregation that had a coat and tie on. Two, the member that gave the sermon was a guy named Doug Grieve, uh, who uh, gave a very interesting sermon. And the end of the service was Barbara Gerald getting up to a piano and playing John Lennon's Imagine, which just blew me away. Um, as they say in the movie, you had us at hello. We went to an orientation meeting, and we joined, um, I'd say, a couple of weeks after that. We, we found our home. One of the things that having been a member here for over 20 years has done has really forced me out of my comfort zone of the things that I believe in. One of the things that has happened to me is that I realized that the God that I was rejecting when I thought I was an atheist when I was a younger person was really a very simplistic view of God. The the God that I was rejecting was really the one that you might have seen like in the Sistine Chapel, a gray-haired old man in flowing robes that was keeping a ledger that I was going to have to answer to. Coming to this church, I realized there are lots of different ways to look at God. I also realized that the Christianity that I was rejecting was a very strict, fundamentalist, literalist interpretation, and there are many many more aspects to it, particularly those that some of the Unitarians in this church practice, that are more open in realizing that a lot of it is just uh, metaphors, 
They're stories that tell great truths, and they don't have to be literally true to have meaning. I still don't know exactly what I believe. I've been here for 20 years. I do believe that there is a lot of truth in a lot of religions. To me, it's a little bit like the, uh, the story of the elephant and the blind, the six blind men, where they're all touching a different part of the elephant and thinking that they're seeing reality. They're all a little bit right, but they're all a little bit wrong. And that's really kind of the way I've come to view a lot of religion. I think there are lots of pieces of it that are right. There are a lot of pieces of it that are probably wrong. But I've also come to realize, being in this church, that it really doesn't matter. Uh, we accept in this church that there are lots of unknowns, there are lots of ambiguities, there are a lot of things that are incomprehensible, but that does not matter. What really matters is that you open yourself up and try to find the truth, knowing that you can't find it. I mean, one of the things we said when we stood up here earlier in that unison affirmation is that the quest for truth is our sacrament. We don't have a creed. We don't just get a, uh, a communion of a wafer and some juice and call that you know, our spirituality. What we say is that we have to go on the quest, and it's not easy. It's work. And I think that's the important thing. I've come to realize that it doesn't really matter if you find the answers. The important thing is to go through the work of opening yourself up to all of the other religions and listen to other sermons, listen to other people's points of view, walk through nature. There are many different ways to define God, to find your own spirituality, and it's actually up to you. And so I would say to the, any of the guests here, if you've just walked through these doors for the first time and you thought, well, maybe these Unitarians have the answer, unfortunately we don't have the answer. What we say, and I truly believe that, is that the, uh, the answer is the question. Okay, thank you. Our next speaker is Ashley Mills. Well, Scott talked about getting out of our comfort zones, and this is one of mine. I can talk to children very easily, but talking to a big room of adults is terrifying. <laughs> um, well, we started... Well, I started my journey here three years ago. Um, Daniel had been listening to National Public Radio and overheard a commercial, came home and said, do you want to go? Leilani was two months old, and I was not leaving my house. <laughs> All I wanted to do was sleep. He came, and he enjoyed it so much, he talked, spent a week talking me into waking up and coming. I was raised Catholic, but we moved around a lot, so my parents were more of oh, just go where your friends are going. So I went to Mormon churches, Buddhist, Methodist, Baptist, wherever country I was in, that's the church I went to. Um, never really found my niche, never liked anybody talking. It all just was boring, and I'd rather fall asleep. <laughs> the first Sunday we came here, everybody was standing in the foyer, and it was amazing. Everybody said hi. Everybody was like, oh, what a beautiful baby, and just made me feel very welcomed. 
Afterwards, we went down to the social hall, and everybody, once again, would just wanted to know everything. And we continued coming. Leilani had her first birthday party here and got cake all over her face and was pink for a day. But everybody took pictures and celebrated it with us, and it was wonderful because Daniel's family lives in California and mine lives in Hawaii, so unfortunately none of our family can really be here for special moments like this. When me and Daniel got married here, Susan was here, and you know friends from church were here, and it was absolutely wonderful. We got married here with the sun at its peak, and it was absolutely beautiful. Um, after six months of coming here and we became members, Susan let me start teaching <laughs> pre-K through first grade, and that's where I found my niche. That's where I like to be. I like to be able to teach the children that there's all different kinds of religions, the Jewish and Christian heritage pillar we do, and learning about all the other ones and just teaching them that everybody is different, but everybody can get along. <laughs> um Last year, I happened to have five surgeries in one year, and I loved the sense of community that this church gives because Susan and Barbara were there every time I ended up in the hospital, which was a lot. And other members of the church were, would take Leilani, come to the hospital at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and take her so Daniel could stay with me or keep her for the weekend so that Daniel could get some rest. Um, now that we have Tristan, everybody was wonderful while I was pregnant getting sick and just not wanting to do anything. And now that he's here, he gets to learn how to walk and talk and crawl in the same halls that Leilani did. And I love the fact that I don't want to go anywhere. Earlier this year, some of you remember that we almost had to move and threw a wonderful going away party that I managed not to cry at. <laughs> and, and we're still here. And now that every time Daniel gets orders and they get canceled, I kind of jump for joy. <laughs> I may not like the weather, but I don't want to leave this church. But, um, yeah, I, I love it here. It's great, and I love that we do things for the community. My daughter is learning that, you know, it doesn't matter. All kids are the same. They, she gets, as long as she can go play with them, she don't care. And, yeah. <laughs> And now Sherry Walker, our saint in residence. Yeah, happy game day. Good morning. Um, my father's family was fairly religious, but when I was growing up, we didn't really have a church home. Um, we went to several different churches, and by the time I was in high school, I was doing, as Ashley was saying, sort of church shopping, kind of going wherever the best ski trip was or whatever, and not really getting much out of, out of the actual learning process. But I remember the first time I came to All Souls in high school, I wasn't coming to a service. I was actually coming for um, a performance, of, um, extra credit for art class, and um, there was a woodwind quintet going on, and I'm I'm sure you were playing. I'm not sure, but it was a while back. It was probably in 86 or 87. But I remember walking through the doors and seeing this view and, and, and actually feeling quite peaceful, uh, even in high school. And I remember that day as if it were yesterday. So when Clay and I started talking about where we would be married, um, this church, of course, was the first thing I thought of because neither one of us really had a church home. And his actual, it turned, as it turned out, his family went here, so that even made it more nice. So we were married here at, as non-members. 
And so as reflecting back on that, it, it actually gives me a little bit of history here, which I feel like I don't have, but um, now I do. It feels, it feels, I feel connected somehow. Um, we also, after we did get married and started having a family, we did decide we wanted a church home, and um, we church shopped again in my life. Um, we visited mostly Methodist Presbyterian churches that our friends went to, and it just didn't feel right. So, of course, naturally, Clay wanted to come visit here, and, and I, of course, didn't get it until I came, and I experienced it. Um, I had that same feeling that I had when I was in high school. This, it just felt very natural for me, very, very peaceful. Um, as, we, as we became more involved, um, I learned why it felt right. It wasn't just the view. It's the people and the services and the ideas and the religious education. Um, we both knew this was the place for our family. And at that time, we only had Zoe, which was our oldest daughter, uh, and I was pregnant with Alexander. And so, again, um, as Ashley comments, it was, it was, it's nice to have a child born in this church who's going to have that history that I, don't ha- that I did not have, although I feel like I do. But as members, uh, Clay and I did get involved in this church in smaller group settings. We were part of the parent group for a little while, and um, t- we, uh, substi- well, Clay teaches in religious education classes, and I mostly sub. <laughs> Um, but back then, I did attend um, the History of Unitar- Unitarian Universalism class that's going on actually right now. Um, and back then, that was four years ago, um, Susan Galwell was teaching this class, and it was at night it's from, I don't know, say six to nine. And so I, I carved out that time to go, and I really do, that was a memorable class for me because mostly uh, it taught me about the history of a religion I really didn't know a whole lot about, but knew it was right for me. Uh, And then I started to feel very proud of this church's history uh, on the the smaller level and also. And I started to feel very proud of this church's history uh, on the the smaller level and also, you know, on the the bigger level, I guess. And um, I also did my first check-in. As an an adult, Ari, I don't know if you've done a small group here in this church, but check-in kind of gets you to center yourself and sort of share your feelings with others. And it connected me to the people in the class and the, and the church itself. So it was a very uh, rewarding class. And if you have time, if you all do that again next year, um, I know it's going on right now, so you may have missed it, but that is a very important class to attend if you're still kind of questioning things and trying to figure things out. But life goes on, and Clay and I have, do have two kids. He's got a job in Baton Rouge where he travels probably three or four times a month. Um, so our lives are a little hectic these days. And so as a, as a, as a um, gesture of slowing things down this, this holiday season, I decided to write letters to the people that are important to me, put pen to paper, and actually say to you, thank you for what you do for me and your support. No text or email, just an actual letter. And I did that for All Souls as a part of my reflection, and I'd like to read it to you. Dear All Souls, as a token of our friendship, I wanted to let you know how much I appreciate you. I only have to sit here in your pews and look out at at your view to feel peace. Your thoughtful services inspire me to go out in the world and right all wrongs, or at least try. 
Your music warms my heart, and your choir fills the room with a spirit twice its size. Your religious education opens up a world of ideas to my children and reminds them of the basic tenets of life, respect, love, and tolerance. For this, I will always be grateful. I also enjoy the social traditions you have, like the chili cook-off, Artist Sunday, tie-dyeing for Father's Day, and the water service at the end of the summer. I also want to thank you for your souls, your congregation. The people of all souls are your greatest asset. They are souls who work tirelessly to keep up our community spirit and the funding needed to maintain this lovely view. They sing in your awe-inspiring choir. They schedule mindful services and teach our children and youth all on a volunteer basis. All of these attributes I admire and cherish in a friend, and I hope I can be as loyal and helpful to you as you have been to me. I pledge to try and be the best friend I can be. I'll never forget your support over this last year. Good luck to you in 2010. May we stay friends forever and grow to love each other as family. Your dear friend, Sherry.